This is the Block Hash Podcast. Hey guys, it's Wednesday, April 24th. Um, I, I literally am trying to get over this Blazers OKC game and this San Jose Vegas game in hockey. Both games were absolutely insane. Super happy that the Trail Blazers won. Super irate uh, that Vegas actually lost, being up 3 1 in the series and then 3 zip into the third period of the game seven and then blowing that i don't know just crazy absolutely insane but trying trying to get over that so i can focus on this podcast um which i i want to do on blockchain regulations in particular and i've talked about it in the past i've talked about the token taxonomy act um and then hr 56 and hr 528 i believe um regarding what's been put forth in congress and then what that might turn into down the road in terms of regulations for the blockchain space. So I kind of want to do a podcast today to kind of update everybody, update you guys on what's going on and what's currently on the table. Because the Token Taxonomy Act um, that was introduced in December was actually taken off the table because we had a new Congress and then they reintroduced it and they actually put some extra stuff into it and they actually got more co-sponsors for it, which is a big deal. So I want to jump into that, explain the differences. I want to explain what's going on with the token guidance that was issued by the SEC and how that's having ramifications, positive ramifications, with the SEC launching Learning Coin. And I want to get into that where the IMF is trying to position themselves and what they're trying to do and then will they put Bitcoin in the SDR basket so I'm going to jump into that stuff and kind of explain it to you a um, couple updates one I will be at the TEDx Portland uh, Bob on Saturday and I will be sure to let you guys know if they say anything interesting about crypto or crypto related supposed to be really good looking forward to it and i also ran into this chrome browser plugin that's pretty new called moon that's um in beta right now and essentially what it does is you can plug it into firefox chrome even the brave browser which i have it plugged into right now and it allows you to purchase with crypto Uh, essentially whatever you want online right now it only works with amazon but they seem to have some integration they're working on with Domino's, target etsy ebay etc etc and probably a whole host of others Uh, but it's cool because you can go to amazon and if you have the plugin installed you can buy anything on amazon right now with bitcoin with ethereum with litecoin and i believe they're integrating the bitcoin lightning network as well pretty soon so that's gonna be pretty cool to pay with crypto or pay with the bitcoin lightning network through your browser on something like amazon which is a massive massive retailer right now or somewhere else in the near future like domino's or target or etsy or ebay or whatever for your online shopping it's gonna be so much easier than relying on these big companies to accept crypto when you could just come up it's kind of funny because we try and eliminate third parties and and blockchain tech but this is a third party that actually kind of helps except crypto so that we can pay for stuff online at least while we're still in the early 
days, early phase of all this stuff. So that's something that's really cool to see. Well, I'm going to share that with you guys. But anyways, it's kind of, let's jump into it. I want to talk about first the Token Taxonomy Act of 2019, which is its official title. It is labeled HR yeah, HR 2144. It was introduced on April 9th of 2019. And it's currently in the first stage of the legislative process. Uh, the same reps put it on the table, Davidson and Soto. I uh, believe this was bipartisan. So that's a good sign. There shouldn't be any loggerheads with this in Congress if everybody's kind of on the same page with crypto. And I'm sure there's plenty of tech guys and companies and institutions that are lobbying for a bill like this to get passed because it would be a very favor- favorable bill if it got passed. What's different about the 2019 version compared to the 2018 version that was put in Congress in December is that we have four co-sponsors for the bill. Rep. Josh Gottheimer, Gottheimer Ted Budd, Scott Perry, and Tulsi Gabbard. I hope I'm saying these names correctly. Um, those four are sponsoring the bill as well. So, you know, I got six reps sponsoring the bill, and that's a good sign. And then the SEC, um, shortly after this, issued guidance on crypto tokens, on like ICO tokens, which is a big deal because now that we have some institutions, well, government institutions like the SEC stepping in to give more guidance and they have in the past with saying Bitcoin and Ethereum are both considered property um, from a tax perspective from a legal perspective as of right now and they haven't really ruled on anything being securities it's interesting that they've been really careful about that but they did come out and say um, that they had some guidance on tokens and I'll get into that in a few minutes and the fact that they did that is a good sign because it'll encourage Congress to step in with more formal regulations rather than having to wait for the SEC or other others like FinCEN, for example, to step out, step in and say that you can and can't do certain things with crypto in certain situations because FinCEN considers crypto uh, as currency. And the SEC considers crypto to be property for the most part. Or now they have special guidance on tokens. So, I don't know, it's really interesting. And that just even more emphasizes the fact, and hopefully to these senators and reps in Congress, that we need a bill passed for crypto. That we need some kind of legislation so that we can allow businesses to kind of jump into the space. But, so what are they changing? I've talked about this before, so I won't go into... A ton of detail, but basically they want to amend the Securities Act of 1933 and the Securities Exchange Act of 1934 to exclude digital tokens from the definition of a security. And what that includes is crypto to crypto trades being tax exempt and a de minimis under $600 exemption for a transaction in crypto for anything other than cash. So if you have Bitcoin and you want to trade it for Ethereum, you can now, if this bill passed, trade it for Ethereum and not pay a capital gains or capital loss tax 
for that exchange between Bitcoin and Ethereum. Now, if you sold Bitcoin for dollars or Ethereum for uh, Chinese renminbi, then you'd have to pay tax because you're converting it from crypto to fiat. But essentially amending the Securities Act and the Securities Exchange Act, they're trying to amend, I forget which part it was. It was the um, 1031 exchange part of it. They wanted to include crypto in the 1031 exchange aspect so that you are able to legally, from a tax perspective, exchange Bitcoin for Ethereum, basically saying that it's um, a 1030. It it counts just like a 1031. It's very similar, but that's good because I know there's a lot of people that have issues with taxes right now, with conversions, and it's very tricky. And it makes a lot of sense, and they probably should do that. The other thing, I like I said, the de minimis under $600. So if you go into a store, like let's use Moon for example. If you're using Moon, and you buy muscle milk on Amazon and that muscle milk is under $600 you buy let's say a couple cases of muscle milk if as long as it's under $600 you don't have to pay tax on that crypto that you just spent now if that amount that you spend is over $600 then you have to pay tax on it from what I'm getting from the bill and from what I've heard and from what I understand, that's how the de minimis works under $600. And it's for other than cash. So you can't go and exchange your crypto for for cash somewhere under $600 and not pay tax. It has to be for a product or service. So why? Why is this bill needed? The SEC is firm on crypto being property and not being a security they seem to be following that trend uh, rather closely at least for now uh, fincen sees crypto as currency and that's why a lot of crypto businesses are actually targeted as money services businesses and i've had that issue before um, i know a number of people that have had that issue as well trying to run uh, proof of work mining operations or trying to run a business that has crypto or blockchain in its name, they flag that stuff, all the banks do. And they have to because of FinCEN because they say that it's, that crypto is considered currency. And if it's considered currency, and then if you're, they might think that you're exchanging it, trading it for somebody, or that you're handling it like a money services business, or that, yeah. So it, it just gets really messy and complicated, but they did outline in FinCEN what they consider to be a money services business when it comes to crypto. And if you're a miner, that doesn't count as a money services business. So that's good news to know as a miner. And I think I've talked about that before, but just a heads up if I haven't. A lot of these things are buried and you have to go pull them out and find them. And it's not very fun to have to do that. It's very tricky when you have two different people and government saying that you have to treat it one way in one situation and a different way in another situation. It's a mess. It's an absolute mess. So why is this bill needed? To clean up this mess, to make it simple. You don't see gold having this issue. You don't see the US dollar having this issue. We know one thing's property. We know one thing's a commodity. We know one thing is currency. We know one thing's a security. But with crypto, we just haven't solved that issue yet. So Having the Token Taxonomy Act passed at some point or something close to it at least would be very, very beneficial. So now let's talk about 
the SEC token guidance, which a lot of you have probably heard about, and a lot of you might not think is too important, but I'm going to explain to you why it is important. Not only does it create the precedent for needing a bill and for pushing a bill through Congress and raising awareness, but it's also under the table doing a lot of interesting things and that lead to what the IMF has been doing. And I'm going to get to that in a second because I have a pretty strong opinion on what the IMF is doing and how that's going to affect everything with crypto and everything with our fiat system. So with the SEC token guidance, there's a company called Turnkey Jet. They're an air taxi service company. They were issued a no action letter by the SEC because Turnkey Jet wanted to issue tokens to their customers. So the SEC told them what they were and were not able to do by issuing them this quote unquote no action letter. So the big takeaways from that letter were one, tokens can't be used to raise money. Um, two, tokens must be immediately usable. So with those first two things, like a normal ICO that you've seen over the last couple years since like summer of 2017, a, a lot of these players in the crypto space have been using ICOs to scam people to raise money for fraudulent means. And that's not something any of us want to see. And it's highly unregulated right now. Another reason why we need legislation so that's why the SEC is saying that tokens can't be used to raise money, at least in the situation for turnkey and what they've put out in their letter. And then with it being immediately usable, there's no lockup period, there's no waiting period, there's no you paying for the token, paying to have the token, and then not seeing it for six months or a year. You get the token immediately. So number three, number four, number three, uh, restricted transfer of tokens to the turnkey jet wallets only so they don't want the company to allow its customers that own the tokens to send it anywhere except within the company through the company wallets and four it has to be marketed in a way to emphasize the functionality of the token so it can't be marketed to show that the value may potentially go up in the future or that there is value in investing in this token because it's related to the company or anything like that they can't do any of these schemes that these pump and dump deals do what they they want you to emphasize the functionality of the token how you can use the token what the token is good for within the company what the token gets you what is redeemable for and basically that's what it comes down to what the sec clarified tokens as for now if you're a company and you want to issue a token, you can do it, but you got to think of the token as a form of a loyalty point or something or a coupon, a prepaid coupon or something that is redeemable within the company that only holds value and weights within the company. And there were some other stuff in the token letter, but they weren't really that important at the moment to me. Um, like it being one-to-one -one with the U.S. dollar. They sold it back to the company. They have to sell it back at like a value under the dollar and then a bunch of stuff like that. But definitely go read it. Go check it out. Dig into it and kind of understand what they're saying because all this stuff is important and it sets a precedent for where we're going with guidance in the U.S. and if we'll get the right kind of legislation that we want. 
Last thing I want to talk about is the IMF on blockchain and how this SEC letter plays into the IMF and more reasons for why we need legislation, why we need the Token Taxonomy Act. But the SEC token guidance letter that we got was actually used by the IMF like two weeks later. And I don't think a lot of people picked this up, but I wanted to kind of make it clear. The IMF launched their own crypto, you may or may not have heard of it, called Learning Coin. Again, this was shortly after the token guidance issued by the SEC. It was It's supposed to be an incentive to employees uh, for which it can be exchanged as like a reward system for their employees. But that's not the important part. The important part is that the IMF jumped on this immediately when there was some kind of regulation around this, when there was some kind of guidance where everyone else hasn't yet. And if anyone's familiar with the IMF, Christine Lagarde, who runs IMF, has been very, very positive on crypto. And way back before even 2017, 2016, when crypto really started moving, she was warning the banks. She was warning the banks saying that they should not overlook the fact that crypto is here to stay, that crypto has a place in the world economy, and that if they're not careful, it could replace fiat and it could very well replace their banking system. She's also talked about this in the fintech festival that we had back in December, and she's been a very big proponent, and the IMF has really followed suit with that. And for anyone that's not really familiar with the IMF, the IMF was established after World War II to help rebuild Europe. And basically what they do is they offer loans to help rebuild a lot of these third world economies around the world. And they offer these loans in what's called an SDR, um, a special drawing right. They've been doing this since 1969. And the SDR is redeemable for other currencies. And if these countries that get a loan in SDRs decide to exchange an SDR for the currency that they need to exchange with another country to pay debts, um, and then they're charged interest on that amount proportional to the SDR that they have in their savings or their SDR allocation. And I'm not going to get into a ton of detail because it gets a little hazy unless you can like visually picture it. I I do want to explain what the SDR is because this does get a little bit important. The SDR, its value is determined by essentially this currency basket that the IMF puts together. So the IMF assesses every like five years, I think it's every four or five years, they assess the world economy because they want to create liquidity in, in the world economy. That's their quote unquote goal. So in their currency basket right now to give the SDR its value is the US dollar, euro, Chinese, renminbi, Japanese yen, and the British pound. And the SDR doesn't have any actual dollar value. You can't go spend an SDR. What the SDR allows you to do though, for its member countries and for the countries it makes loans to, is exchange it for other currencies. And that allows these countries to pay off their debts, and to pull their economies out of turmoil when they have downturns in their economy, in their country, in in politics. And IMF has been doing this for quite a long time. So why is the SDR important? 
Christine Lagarde has talked on a number of occasions about Bitcoin, Ethereum, even Ripple, and crypto in general, and then blockchain in general as a technology. She's talked about semi-anonymous banking, which is really interesting. And more importantly, she's actually discussed the possibility of putting a crypto into the SDR basket for the IMF. Now, what kind of repercussions would that actually have on the world economy if Christine Lagarde and the IMF decided to put Bitcoin in the SDR basket? What if she replaced fiat with crypto? How would that change things? Would create a lot more liquidity if they did it, and they'd probably only do it if there was liquidity in crypto. So like if Bitcoin, for example, went to a million dollars, Bitcoin itself as a network would have trillions of dollars in liquidity. That's liquidity that can be spread out globally, that is spread out globally, that if put in an IMF basket would give the STR a tremendous amount of value. Whatever you believe about the IMF, there's a lot of people that believe the SDR is essentially a global currency. A lot of ways, like Bitcoin's a global currency. The SDR is used globally. The SDR is a reserve to go save failed countries, and the SDR is backed by other currencies. So it does make sense that the IMF could potentially consider something like that if crypto were to surpass the actual banking system to surpass the U.S. dollar, to surpass gold, to surpass anything that we consider of monetary value. And there's a lot of people that push back and say that Bitcoin and crypto won't get that far. But the IMF, of, of all people, Christine Lagarde, of all people, believe that crypto actually will get that far and that Bitcoin or crypto in general, or more specifically just blockchain tech, or more generally just blockchain tech, will get to that point of adoption. And we're looking at the currency of the internet and the currency of the world in terms of Bitcoin, in terms of crypto. This is all very, very important stuff to keep in mind. But the big takeaways I want you to be aware of from this podcast are that the Token Taxonomy Act is back in Congress the 2019 version and it's got co-sponsors it's got a few changes and it looks like it's ready to go all the way we will see what happens with it there's a very good chance that this bill gets picked apart but that something goes through because of a bill like this and that it generates a lot more attention so even though you're not seeing it on fox news or cnn Still, go online, learn about this stuff, look at the actual bill. And the same thing with the SEC guidance on tokens. Go read that. It's very important to understand where regulations are going so you can prepare for the future in terms of taxes and finance and how you want to position yourself and maybe how you want to invest. These are all very important things to consider. And then the last part that we just talked about, the IMF. They're positioning themselves in case of what looks like a global crisis, global financial crisis, global financial collapse. And their goal is to hedge against that via liquidity. And if they can't do that with the fiat system, because the fiat system could fail, and then it makes sense that they're looking at crypto as a backup and not gold necessarily. I'm a little surprised, but 
that could be a potential reason why the IMF is so interested. So that's another thing to keep an eye on. They do publish a lot of stuff on the IMF website regarding crypto and blockchain, so you should definitely go read that when you have free time. It's very educational stuff. Anyways, thank you guys for tuning in. I will keep you updated on the TEDx Portland event I'm heading to on Saturday if anything cool happens and if anything new in the market happens. I'll be sure to let you know next time on the podcast. I'll let you know if I have any guest speakers coming on soon. Still working on planning some stuff out. I got a lot on the plate. Anyways, thank you guys for listening and I'll see you all next time.